Welcome to the Eternal Connection, a radio broadcast ministry of St. Mark Lutheran Church in Omaha, Nebraska. Whether it be through prescribed behaviors, rituals, or practices, every religion in the world teaches that if we desire to know God, it is our responsibility to find Him and know Him. Christianity, however, teaches something very different. Christianity teaches that God has come to us and has revealed His love for us by putting on flesh in Jesus Christ and by giving us His Word through which He continues to speak to us today. We're glad you've joined us as Pastor Jay continues leading us through the Bible in the Gospel of John, right here, right now on The Eternal Connection. And once again, you are eternally connected. Thank you so much for joining us as we continue to make our way through the Gospel of John in this beautiful season of Lent where we focus on our need for a Savior and the fact that that Savior has come in Jesus our Lord who has carried his cross, carried our cross, all the way to Calvary to pay for our sins and rise again to give us new life. This is Pastor Eric J. from St. Mark Lutheran Church in Omaha, Nebraska, uh, joined in studio as always by Chip Thompson, Jason Eisenman. How's Lent going so far, guys? It's it, going great. Yeah, actually. it's going great. And you know what? You know what today is, right? Well, it's many things. Well, help sp- me out here. Specifically, <laughs> you know which, what episode number we're on, fellas? One five six. One hundred and fifty six episodes. That if if my math and I I will confess my math isn't always great, but if my math is correct, fifty two weeks per year that makes today three years on the radio to the day. Yeah, that's unbelievable to think about. And we've got some big news to share. We do uh, on on year three. Um, those of you on KCRO and and Boomer who have been listening to us for for the past three years know that we've been broadcast here locally, kind of in the Omaha. Um, Council Bluffs, Lincoln area. Um, well, we're excited to announce today, uh, thanks to your support and the, the support of many who, who love the Word of God just as much as we do, that this show is going to be broadcast as of this episode across the entire state That's of amazing. Nebraska. And uh, we're excited about this. Um, so if you're listening to this show uh, and you're a new listener, welcome. Um, welcome to the Eternal Connection. You can find out all the information about the new stations that we're on and frequencies that we're on to be broadcast live over the radio um, here in the state of Nebraska by going to our website, eternalconnectionradio.com, eternalconnectionradio.com. Uh, it's got a new look to it. It does. We're, we're excited about that. And uh, as always, you can go there to catch the uh, archive of our shows, learn a little bit more about us, and uh, most importantly, Reach out to us. Let us know you're listening. Ask some questions. Give us your feedback because this really is a dialogue in the Word of God, and we want you to be a part of it. Uh, so that invitation is always open for you to go to eternalconnectionradio.com and uh, connect with us there. You know, another part of uh, uh, being that connected to our listeners, you know, we're giving them now for the first time an opportunity to help us uh, continue to uh, extend the reach uh, yes. to those who would hear. Uh, we actually are, are uh, starting to take donations online. Yes. Uh, 
and uh, we've never done that before. No. Uh, uh, so this is uh, all new. Um, uh, one of the things that we're still working on uh, uh, is offering some uh, thank yous uh, for yes. folks that uh, donate. We're still kind of getting those, uh, uh, working everything out on, on what those different things will be. Uh, but uh, as as of today uh, on the, the show, if, if you feel so led to uh, help us uh, get the word out, uh, you can donate uh, right on the on the uh, uh, website. Yes, and, and anything, big or small, would be appreciated, but we certainly don't want that at the expense of, of your faithfulness and tithes and offerings to your local congregation. Uh, that is always first and foremost. Amen. Uh, if you know anything from me, you know, supporting your local church is, is the priority. Uh, we're blessed to have had uh, uh, our own support from some folks that have enabled us to take this show to the next step, um, and we're going to continue to need support. Uh, we trust that the the Lord will bring that in His way and in His time. But uh, your your to- donations and, and ties to your local churches is, is always first and foremost. So we pray God's blessings on you wherever you're at in your walk with Him. We are going to continue to walk with our Lord Jesus in John 18. It's another big thing. Today. Yeah, I can't starting believe a new it. chapter. We're starting. A new chapter. We're starting a lot of new stuff, but it's perfectly timed because we're nearing here Good Friday, and John 18 is is really when Jesus's passion and his uh, physical journey to the cross begins. And we're excited that uh, you're all here to join us. So without further ado, why don't we open our Bibles to John chapter 18, which is really fitting as we're in the Lenten season here, preparing ourselves to follow our Lord to Calvary as he bears the cross of our sin uh, to bring us salvation through his own death and resurrection. We're looking at John 18, beginning right in verse 1. But as we always do and as we always should, Chip, why don't you pray for us before we get started? Okay. Lord Jesus, you're the light of the world, bringing life where there was none, uh, none that we would have of our own. Lord, we ask that you would light the lamp of revelation in your word this morning as we read of your way to the cross uh, in in, uh, chapter 18. Uh, Be with us this morning, Lord. In your name, amen. 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 All right, John chapter 18, verse 1. We'll read a little bit and then uh, we'll see where the Lord leads us in conversation. It says, when Jesus had spoken these words, he went out with his disciples across the brook Kidron, where there was a garden, which he and his disciples entered. Now Judas, who betrayed him, also knew the place, for Jesus often met there with his disciples. The brook Kidron. Is it just that simple, a brook named Kidron? It's just that simple. Yep, it's a brook that kind of ran through Jerusalem, uh, ultimately uh, emptied out into the Dead Sea at a very important source of water uh, for the area. But it was, yeah, a a brook uh, like any other brook, Um, a a place that Jesus frequented, right? I think that's one of the big things to take away from, from this is Jesus was going to a place not only that he knew, but his disciples knew, a familiar place. Um, before we even get to that, though, I think it's important in study, whenever you study the Word of God, that especially when you start a new chapter, you always want to know your context, your surrounding. And oftentimes the authors will give you little hints to, to remind you to go back and read what came before. And we see that in verse 1. John says, when Jesus had spoken these words, well, we should probably know what these words are. Right. So yep. what, what words are those that Jesus just finished speaking? 
Well, the last few chapters that we've read uh, and studied, uh, we see Jesus uh, speaking alone to his disciples. Yeah, you know it uh, in the, in the upper room, uh, and uh, he shared a meal with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Judas quickly departed after Jesus made it a pretty abundantly clear, except nobody got it. Yeah. That, that it was Judas that was uh, about to betray him. Uh-huh. And uh, then uh, magnificently, uh, our Lord prayed uh, not just for them, but also for us listeners yeah. today uh, in chapter 17, the high priestly prayer. And uh, it, it's, it, w- it was an amazing uh, prayer. Yeah, chapter 17 is definitely one of my favorite. Uh, but John isn't just talking about chapter 17. As you mentioned, he's talking about going all the way back to chapter 13. Mm-hmm. This final discourse, Jesus' last words, right? His kind of last will and testament to his 12 disciples that he, as he prayed in John 17, uh, had set apart from the world, taken out of the world, called to himself to have the amazing privilege and the amazing challenge of being the vessels through which Christ would continue his ministry through that Holy Spirit that he promised in John 14, that spirit that would remind them of everything that Jesus told them, that spirit that would convict the hearts of the world to prepare them to receive this gospel that the disciples would bring, and his prayer, most immediately in context, uh, was to comfort his disciples, to assure them that even though Everything they're about to go through here in, in chapter 18 and onward, as they follow Jesus uh, through his hour of glory, is what he calls it, his, his suffering for the world, the reason for which he came, they're going to be confused. They're not going to understand it. But he continually repeats that you are here as my disciples because of the word that has been given to you, the word that I have given to you, a word that my Father sent me to give you, You're here because God has called you, and you are secure no matter what happens as long as you trust and believe in that word that I've given you. And as you pointed out, Chip, Jesus then makes a transition from praying for them in verse 20 of chapter 17 to praying for those who would believe in their word, those who would believe in the words the apostles proclaim, because those are the words of Christ. And so Jesus is essentially praying for us that we would hold on to that word because pretty soon there's not going to be much left to hold on to as Jesus goes to the cross. It's going to seem like all is lost. Um, And we're going to see as as we work through our way through the rest of the gospel that um, the actions of the disciples will suggest that that's that's exactly what they thought, Uh, that if it were up to them, that they would have abandoned Christ forever. This whole thing would have been over but thank God it wasn't up to them that right. this they were being held on to by that word of God. As I often say, we're saved not by the strength with which we hold on to Christ, but by the strength with which he holds on to us. And that's what we're going to see happening here in uh, chapter 18. So then in verse 3 of chapter 18, Judas, having procured a band of soldiers and some officers from the chief priests and the Pharisees went there with lanterns and torches and weapons. Then Jesus, knowing all that would happen to him, that's so important to keep in mind. John is reminding us, hey, this isn't a surprise to the Lord. He'd been telling us this from the beginning. Knowing all that would happen to him, 
came forward and said to them, Whom do you seek? They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus said to them, I am he. And so ironically, you know, you you set that up with Jesus already knew what was going to happen, but yet he still took the time to ask them, whom do you seek? <laughs> it's a uh, striking, striking part of that verse. Yeah, why is that striking, though? I mean, I agree with you 100%. Well, you know, initially it, it sounds to me like he, he knows the role that he's there to serve, mm-hmm. and he's guiding the the bad and the good in the scenario to where he needs to be. Yeah, you you get this sense all the way throughout from Jesus that although this isn't a good situation, and although he knows to everyone watching this is going to appear like he has lost control, he's absolutely in control. I mean, if he knew what was happening in one sense, you could expect him to just kind of stand there and wait for them to take him. Right. But instead, and this is what just gets me pumped up about our Lord, the Lion of Judah, he stands up and he stands tall and he calls his the people that have come to arrest him into account. Absolutely. You know, the the it just occurred to me when he says whom do you seek, it's it's very reminiscent of when he asks, Well, who do they say I am? Yeah. Because, you know, Obviously, they don't really know Jesus because right. they showed up with a bunch of weapons and, <laughs> and the, you know, I don't know exactly what they expected, but clearly they expected, uh, you know, a fight. And that is a great indicator of the fact that they don't know who our Lord is uh, yeah. because he's, he's never given them any reason no. to take up arms for, sure, for certain. Yeah, and I think it's also a challenge for us to ask ourselves— because this is really the core question that's going to be in the hearts of the disciples from this point on. And it's really the core question, even though he hasn't said it this way, that he's been challenging the disciples with since he washed their feet. And Peter was like, no, you're the Lord. You don't wash feet. Right. And you could say at that moment, even though he doesn't say it this way, Jesus was saying, well, Peter, whom, whom do you seek? Right. Because the Lord you need is not the Lord you want. And that's the question for the ages that I think everybody has to ask themselves. Whom do you seek? Are we seeking the Lord of our own creation? I mean, I think that's that's the sinful human tendency, right? That was that was the temptation of the devil in the garden. You you won't die if you eat of the tree God told you not to eat. He just knows that if you eat of it, you'll be like him. And that's the temptation we all have is to see God, to seek God as we would have him be instead of seeking the God who made us in his image. And that God, as hard as it is for our minds to wrap around, comes humbly. That God comes to us to do for us something we would never do, even for ourselves. Our pride would get in the way. Our sin would get in the way. He comes as the sinless one, to lay his life down for us. And he clearly does it willingly. Jesus isn't losing here. He stands tall and even calls those that have come to arrest him to answer that question. Whom do you seek? 
And they answer correctly. They say Jesus of Nazareth. But that answer really has to do with his humanity, right? Mm -hmm. Not really who he is. And and in and of that, you you could see where their error is. He's, He's not just Jesus of Nazareth. He's claimed to be far more than that all the way through the Gospel of John. But Jesus does say, I am he. Then in verse 6, when Jesus said to them, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. So he asked them again, whom do you seek? I got to confess, that's one of my favorite parts of this whole narrative is when they draw back and fall to the ground. Yeah, and why why would that happen? I mean, and just to be clear, they is um, the soldiers, the chief priests, the Pharisees, Judah. Yeah, the guys with all the weapons, the yep. big nasty guys who thought they would come and manhandle. Everybody falls. Yeah, everybody falls. But the the bigger question is why. I mean, there's just a, who are you? We're looking for Jesus of Nazareth. Okay, I'm Jesus of of Nazareth. I am He. And then they fall down on their face. Why? I think deep down they probably knew the truth, but, you know, they'd have to, what you just said, they, they have to be in control. Yeah, you're right. They, they do know the truth. And the question is, is not that they know, as we've talked about a lot on this show, everybody knows God is real. We, we, we do a great job suppressing it, ignoring it, denying it. But we know deep down in our soul that, that we have a God, we have a maker. But what brings them face to face with that reality that they know in their conscience? It's those simple words, I am. The same words God spoke to Moses. The same words Jesus has been using throughout the Gospel of John. I am the light of the world. Uh, I am the bread of life. Before Abraham was, I am. These I am statements that are unique to the Gospel of John find their culmination in this one simple sentence. It's no longer a metaphor. It's no longer uh, a simile. It is just pure, raw, a definition and a proclamation of who Jesus is, I am. It, it brings to mind instantly the, the, uh, the verse that talks about, at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. Mm-hmm. It's because of who he is. That's right, yeah. And that's why we should seek him. Because of who he is, not just because of what he can do for us. Right. That's why the disciples are despairing in this moment. That's why Peter's going to eventually try and hack off Malchus's head, because he thinks, you're taking something away from me. No. No, if you know who Jesus is, you know that this is no problem for him. I mean, he's already told them that many times, but they haven't heard it because they've been more concerned about what Jesus can do for us. And I would say that's, for Christians, that's when we miss out on the the fullness of the joy and the satisfaction, even when we don't have enough that Jesus offers us, is we, we look for something from God rather than looking just to him. That he alone and our relationship with him is our satisfaction, is the peace that surpasses understanding. Well, and I would argue that that peace that you're talking about is the only thing that can carry us through when the bottom does fall out in our lives. If, if, we, if we lose a job, if we lose our finances, if we lose a home, if we lose a loved one. You know, uh, earlier when we were talking about how people invent their own version of God, 
and don't really stop to sit with who God is by definition, you know, that's where you, you get folks saying, well, why does God allow that to happen? Right. Well, you don't have the ability to see everything that factors into what just happened. Right. And if we have to trust that God has, he told us that for those who love him, everything happens for a reason, for, you know, to our uh, benefit. Right. And, you know, though it's very difficult to see that if we're going through some struggles, you know, we, in our spirit, hopefully God allows us a peace that surpasses our own understanding because we're not going to understand it. Yeah, and the peace that that we hope he offers, he has offered. Right. And he's offered it here in his son. Because the bigger question isn't, why are you letting this happen to me, God? I know the answer to that question. Why why do bad things happen? Because I'm bad. Right. Well, I'm, I'm responsible with Adam and Eve for bringing sin into the world. I know the answer to that question. What I struggle to answer is, why are you letting this happen to your son? True. And the peace that I have is in that he's going to overcome and that through his victory, no matter what befalls me in this life, hey, even if it's crucifixion, this ends well for me. There's no way I lose. (laughs) I may not understand it, but I know how this thing plays out. That's the peace that surpasses understanding. We already have heaven now. That's not going to necessarily make something easier to go through because that's a, a false impression that's given from, from pulpits and Christian teachers all the time is that somehow knowing Jesus makes things better. No, Jesus knowing his father didn't make the cross less painful, but, but it did give him the peace and the joy to endure it, even to pray for those who are torturing him. That literally is a peace that surpasses understanding, that surpasses pain and suffering, that surpasses what you can't understand. And that's what you get only when the answer to the question, whom do you seek, is I seek God and him only, and I see that in Jesus only. (laughs) So after they fell back, and fell to the ground, Jesus asked them again, Whom do you seek? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. Which... They seem so powerless there. They are. I I mean, (laughs) I feel like we're overlooking, you know, this army of people coming for Jesus, and they find him, and they all fall down, and it's like this huge shift of power and uh it's it's kind of a a big moment there but you know it kind of passes fast in word yeah it passes fast in in the number of words but i think that's a testament to actually what's being communicated here is that god's power is not manifested um through annihilation through through the strength that we would 
in our sinfulness and selfishness would want to see Jesus do just blink his eyes and these people get blown off into into well, the distance. I, well, I believe two of his disciples wanted him to call down a fire at one point. <laughs> yeah, you know? the sons of thunder, James yeah. and John, right? Yeah, so that's now, the way these they people do it. aren't believing in you. Do you want us <laughs> to call down fire from heaven? And you think, yeah, if I was Jesus, right? Because I I would never be, and because I'm a sinner. But the thought that goes through my head is. Yeah, let me see you go ahead and try that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Call down fire from heaven, James and John. <laughs> yeah, but the, the point is, is that the power of God is being displayed most clearly in what he's not doing. You're absolutely right, Jason. It seems so small. There's a huge display of power going on here, but it's being displayed through such meager means. And that's just setting you up, hopefully, that when you see your Lord on the cross, bloodied and broken, you see the true, magnificent power of God. And correct me if I'm wrong, in the word here, it doesn't say that Jesus pushes them all over. No. It's a natural reaction where they just fall through their own accord. Their conscience is brought to bear Yeah, when Jesus stands before them as the Son of God, even though they don't see clearly when he says those words, I am he. And, and don't miss the importance of that either. It wasn't just the presence of Jesus that did it. It's his word. It's his word. And when he spoke those words, their conscience was brought before the Almighty and I don't care who you are or what you think about yourself. When that day comes, when you stand before your Lord, you will be on your knees. The question is, will you be on your knees because you have fallen to them in worship? Or will you be on your knees begging for mercy? And I hope it's the the former. Mm -hmm. Because when that day comes, time's up. You know, we're a society to you know, rock stars, TV stars, like some people wait 10, 20, 30 years to meet their, their idol, their star. You know, it's kind of like uh, the ultimate rock star meeting that you're <laughs> kind of waiting for. You know, we're, we're waiting to, to meet the wrong people sometimes, I guess is where I was going with that. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. How, how life would be different, how the world would be different if, if we did live our lives according to what our life really is. It is a vapor, according to Scripture, a brief moment in time when we get to know something the angels don't even know, which is the grace of God, the forgiveness of God, his long-suffering and patience with our sin. But it's a very brief window of waiting, of testing, and this life is lived in anticipation of that event. That's how it should be lived, right? And when Jesus would rise from the dead, the angels would tell the disciples, why are you staring up into the sky? Right? Mm-hmm. He said he's going to be with you always. It's, and that's a powerful statement because it says, look, he's, he's here now. You don't see him yet. That day's coming. But because he's here, your whole life should be lived in anticipation of seeing him because he's with you. When, as, as you have said many times in Bible study, we are already living our eternal life. Yes. It's just not fully manifested yet. 
Right. We don't we don't see the full reality of it. And uh, and on the last day, that's the only thing that will change is the veil will be pulled back. That's literally how Paul describes it. That that's who we should be waiting to see each day. And even though we won't be able to see him now with our eyes, the very fact of looking for him, seeking him, Jesus promises, seek and you'll find. Ask and you'll be given. Knock and the door will be opened. But we can see him now, not necessarily with the eyes of our head yet, but with the eyes of our ears. We pray our time together in God's Word has been a blessing to you and to your faith in Jesus Christ, who is our Lord and Savior of the world. If you enjoy listening to our program, we would love to hear from you. Go to eternalconnectionradio.com. To find our full episode archive, contact us, let us know you enjoy the show, or ask a question that Pastor Jay will answer on the air. God bless all of you. We look forward to connecting with you again next Sunday on The Eternal Connection.